Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I have to tell you something, people. I, uh, I'm very confident in my appearance. I, I, you know, as you get older, you do that because I noticed something today. I, I got a shirt. I wore a shirt that has shirt dimples. Now, I don't know if you know what shirt dimples are, but basically, I think that's what they're called. It's when you hang your T-shirt up, and I do hang my nicer ones up, and you don't wear it for a while. I think I wore this one like three months ago, and you get those little like ripples or dimples above your shoulders. And when I was younger, I'd always freak out. I put it on, I'd have to change it because if you try to iron them, you're screwed because your whole shirt's nice except that little area and, and, and if you take out the iron it happens to be in the worst part of the shirt you can iron so you're trying to sit there and pull it over the ironing board but then you always sit there and, you, and when it's a t-shirt you pull it over and then you iron something and then you get like a, a wrinkle in the back and then your whole shirt is screwed so i went out today and it's funny because joanne didn't say anything she usually says you know you, you look homeless when i go out if i'm dressed or if i'm dressed like a bum but i went out today with the shirt dimples and i'll probably stop at the market on the way home and and i don't care anyway so that's the thing about getting older it's great anyway we have a great we have a great guest today uh very funny comic talented uh actor and it's funny she's young but she's been working since she was like eight or nine or ten uh, we'll talk about that her name is erica rhodes how you doing erica hi i'm doing well how are you doing now did you ever do this do you notice the shirt dimples i mean you know what i i totally don't notice things like that like in, unless you really point them out and i don't even own an iron i'm so embarrassed to admit that but um i blow dry my clothes well, no, okay <laughs> no okay i know I, I gotta figure this because it's probably easier because i just i if it wasn't for my girlfriend, I wouldn't mm. own a blow dryer. But uh, how do you, I mean, so, because that, I'd rather do that because ironing, you have to take the board down, you got to take it out. How yeah. do you, what do you do? You just blow dry it? I mean, I put the shirt on. If it's wrinkly, I, well, I'm blow drying my hair. I'll just also blow dry the shirt. <laughs> so I'll just take the blow dryer and be like, oh, this will do. Or, or the other trick is that if you take a hot shower and then you get out of the shower, then you can put the shirt in the shower sort of for a second to get the steam and right. then it's like you're steaming it That's... but um this is all really kind of pathetic <laughs> no no it, it, it's true though because when i used to do comedy on the road you would do that because oh, you would yeah. sit there and you'd you travel and you think it's going to come your shirt is going to come out nice and you put it in your suitcase i don't know you probably go on the road and mm -hmm. and you sit there and you get out and the same thing you, you leave it when you take it in the shower when you take it, you just leave it in the bathroom and you go okay yeah it's, it's like this will do yeah or just don't buy shirts that get wrinkly exactly so now, now you, you grew up in massachusetts <laughs> yes okay now when did you know you wanted to act and get into comedy were you a little kid i know you you were doing prairie home uh the, the show when you were like 10 i believe yeah but but how did you i mean what turned you on to this acting and what i mean 10 such a young age well for me i think it's young age to act but to get on stage it's completely different because acting, you go into a room this year on stage. Were you like five and you wanted to act or how this happened? Yeah, well, actually, I started when I was about five because my, mo my mom, my mom's a violinist, a professional violinist. She plays in the uh, Boston Pops. And um, I guess a lot of her friends were saying, you know, your daughter is so like cute. And, you know, like I had these little blonde ringlets and I look kind of like a young Drew Barrymore when I was a kid. And they were like, you, she should, you should get her in acting. So she kept hearing this over and over. And so then she actually got me an agent when I was five. My first job ever was um, modeling a waterbed. Okay. Oh, well, <laughs> first of all, just the thought of having a five-year-old on the waterbed mm -hmm. is just bad advertising. But what, I mean, no, I mean, it's like, cause you think, but whenever, now at least you think the waterbed, like, Hey ladies, come back to my waterbed. And you know, Oh really? I thought it was a kid thing. No waterbeds. If you, if you see, that's like the old, well, that's like the old, if you see the movies, it's like, if they make fun of the guy with like the, the, 
chest hair and the, uh-huh. the, the medallions and he brings <laughs> his woman back and he's like hey the waterbed so i mean it was a different waterbed i'm guessing yeah but, now how did you were you uh were you nervous when you were getting a commercial because oh no i was i mean it, well this was a print ad actually this was just print so all i had to do was lie there for like a few hours in a waterbed with stuffed animal and they took pictures of me and it's like oh i was hooked i was like oh this is show business well <laughs> I'm, I'm in it for the long haul little did i know <laughs> what that meant but then as I got a little older I did more commercials I did um I did like an anti-smoking ad at one point I did an, an like don't talk to strangers ad where I'm sitting on a swing and it, it was um it was like a local commercial um you know to to bring awareness to kids you know don't talk to strangers and things like that and then I did a, a few short films and um, so I was doing a bunch of stuff before I did Prairie Home Companion. Now, were, were you auditioning for these or did people know you and said, okay, we saw her in this print ad? Because, I mean, it must be crazy if you're auditioning at that age because there's so many kids who are your age. And, and luckily for you, you know, your mom was a violinist, so she mm-hmm. had talent. She knew how to deal with that. But there's probably some lot of bratty kids running around that, you know, it's just weird for the auditions. Were you going to big auditions when you got this stuff? Uh, yeah, well, I don't really remember. It was all kind of a blur because my passion as a kid was actually ballet. Like ballet was my, you know, what I just wanted to do. I wanted to be a dancer my whole life. And that was kind of my passion. So the acting thing to me was kind of like a chore that I didn't, I wasn't that into, you know, so I would go to these auditions and I remember my mom being like, can I please put a little lipstick on you? I'd be like, no, like, no, no makeup. I hated makeup. I, you know, I just never really... I never really bought into the whole thing, but I kind of just did it because my mom was having me do it. You know, she wasn't like a typical stage mom, but she was a little bit, you know, like she was the one kind of pushing it at first. Well, I could see why also, because it's something that, you know, I think a lot of times stage moms will just take their kids, even if the kids shouldn't be auditioning like Honey Boo Boo, even though she became huge. But for you, people were saying to your mom and your mom knew people who were creative so it's not like yeah. some some guy going hey uh, yeah, your daughter's gonna be in it you know it's like for you so i think she probably pushed you because she knew you'd do do well at it yeah i think maybe she saw she saw something at first Oops, sorry um yeah so i think that um at the, in the beginning it was a little bit inspired by her and then i sort of like later in life it became more my thing um but it, it took me a while to sort of find it in my own way like i remember um i i think one of my biggest auditions i w- was i auditioned for the little princess Okay. Which the remake of the you know the little princess was originally I think played by Shirley Temple or something I think so and um so they did a remake of it I auditioned to play the little princess and I remember my mom coaching me on it and she kind of coached me to overact like okay. I think I I was like on the right track like I was really natural at that time you know like really like and I I remember her coaching me like no do a little more of this a little more of that to the point of like I think I was like definitely overacting for my audition um. And then, and then I did a bunch of, uh, like musicals and stuff like that. I, I did a operetta when I was about 12 called a mall and the night visitors. And I was also kind of a reluctant star in that. Like I was the, the lead in it and I was like, Oh, you know, this is low budget. Like I told, I, my mom told me that I was like asking how much, ma- how much they were charging for tickets. And I was like, that's too low. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of a snob too. Like everything was, you know, nothing was quite good enough. I also refused to audition for a show called Zoom, 
which was a popular Zoom. Zoom. Everyone knows Zoom. We're going to Zoom. Everyone, you know that? Oh, yeah, man. That was, that's been around forever. You, how? I what? refuse. Oh, oh, get out of the studio. Yeah. <laughs> Why I, did you refuse? Zoom? Mom, it's, it's legendary. It's oh, like, it's like Sesame Street and Zoom. Yeah, it crushed my mom because she's like, honey, oh you know, I was like, I will not be on that show. I was a, I was a snob. I was like, I'm not doing that's beneath God. me. God, you went through Zoom. Oh, oh, I'm just, I'm disgusted. I mean, now. if I, if I had listened to my mom, I probably would have been like huge when I was, by the time I was 15, but I was so stubborn about things, you know? So I just. I wanted to dance, and so eventually she kind of stopped taking me to auditions. And did you concentrate on dancing? Yeah, I, con- I focused on that. I was dancing like six days a week for like seven hours a day. I mean, that was my thing. So, so. you you were getting disciplined, and, mm-hmm. and you also you had stage chops at a young age. Yeah. And just you had acting chops. Now, how did the uh, Prairie uh, Prairie Home Companion come about? Um, well, that um, happened because my mom uh, asked him to do a fundraiser for an orchestra she founded called the Pro Arte Chamber Orchestra of Boston. And, and this is Garrison Keillor. Garrison Keillor, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I just said him. <laughs> um, so so they're from the same hometown, Anoka, Minnesota. And she actually, I think she even went to a dance with one of his brothers at one point because one of his brothers was my mom's age. And so she wrote to Garrison and asked him, like, would you, you know, think about doing a fundraiser to help my orchestra? And he he responded and he came out. And when he came out, he also met me and I was like dancing at the time. And then the Nutcracker, which my mom also played in. uh, So she was in the pit while I was dancing. What's that like? I mean, that's like, you know, when you think about it, that's. That's like not a lot of kids or adults can say that. Like, hey, yeah. uh, at one time I was in a show dancing. I mean, that must be a great feeling. Yeah, it was kind of cool because there were two different areas backstage. Like there was the area where all the musicians were. And then there was the area where all the dancers were. And I would just kind of go back and forth. Like I'd be with hanging out with my friends. And then I'd go hang out with my mom. And like it was kind of cool, you know, for a bit um, until I was like, mom, don't talk to me. <laughs> I don't want to be seen with I'm you. I'm a snob. I, yeah, don't, I, don't hang with, I don't hang with musicians and I don't do Zoom. I don't no talk Zoom, to... no musicians. That's all we're saying. Yeah. I don't I don't t- talk to people in the pit. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so he ended up coming and seeing me in the Nutcracker. And then we went out to dinner and um, I was very, very shy. But he heard me say like a few words. And I remember him kind of looking at me like, really, that's your voice? Because I had a, had a super high voice at that time people at my school called me squeaky because it was like oh, no, no, no. and so then the next day my mom was like he wants you to do the show and before I knew it I was like sharing a dressing room with Alice and Janney because she got her start on the show what is that like I mean you know <laughs> it's, it's like I mean how old were you I was at uh, like 10 or 11 yeah and now did you travel with the show or did you just um, do it when it came to town or no I was just a guest on it um that one ended up being sort of a comp on a compilation that was nominated for Grammy and this uh, particular episode I played as conscience so I was like you need to call your mother and you need to read Moby Dick and- so, so you're Grammy nominated well, <laughs> you, like third degree. <laughs> but still, though, you, you were on a, a project that was Grammy nominated. Yeah. And you're 10. Yeah, I was 10. So, so now what does a 10-year-old Grammy nominee <laughs> go from there? I mean, because you, you've already, you know, you're dancing. Now you're still, you're still, your main passion is still the dancing. Mm-hmm. Even though you're getting this stuff thrown at you, you know, well, we got to put it So you're, you're getting work even though you want to dance. Yeah. So now as you're, as you're getting, you know, maturing to the teenage years, which direction do you want to go? And do you know that you want to sit there and pursue this for the rest of your life well I it's weird because people used to um, ask me what I wanted to do and I almost never said out loud that I want to be an actor but like I think my whole life that's what I wanted to do um, but then I also got sidetracked with cello because I played cello 
And so I thought that that's what I wanted to do for a bit. So I went from ballet to cello and then finally went back to acting. Like I circled back to it, but I sort of let, stopped doing it for a bit. Well, that makes, I mean, you're young. Of yeah. course you can change your mind. It's like, you yeah, know, you're, you're 10. Yeah. Now what, I mean, so you're planning on now. How about in high school? What, what were you doing in high school? In high school, I quit ballet cold turkey because I suddenly found out, oh, I can't be the best in the world at this, which, you know, that's heartbreaking to right. a teenager. You're like, wait, what? I can't be the best? So then I quit, which was kind of an irrational decision because I was pretty good at it, you know, even if I wasn't like the best, I was really good. But yes, yeah, so I quit that. I joined the track team. I was running, but I also was doing acting. Um, I did like school plays and stuff. And, um, but then I got really serious about cello and I was like practicing cello, like six hours a day. So you're playing cello, <laughs> you're acting and, and you're, and you're running track. Yeah. Now, how are your grades? Oh, I was terrible at track, by the way. Okay, but, still, <laughs> I was mad at. but still, it's something different. It's like, you know, you know, but were you, were you keeping up your grades? Oh, no. No, okay, no, no, no. So your grades stunk. Oh, yeah. But no. you were great at the cello. I was horrible at school. <laughs> I've always been terrible at school. Um, my, my mother, my parents, you know, they're both. My mom, my, they met in music school. They're both performers. They're musicians. My dad ended up switching careers, um, to become an accountant, but like still, you know, his, his whole early life was music. Right. And so it's like, my parents are very creative people and they're sort of the opposite of most parents who are like, they're not like, oh, do something that makes sense. They're more like, find what you love, just find your passion. And so my whole early life was like looking for what I love to do. And most of it was performing, you know, like I loved performing in different ways, but, um, school, I was like horrible math, anything that I didn't care about or wasn't interested in. I just couldn't do. I think that's most for most creative people. I think, you yeah. know, it's a matter of, we have that feeling like, well, what, who cares? Like I, I had got a D in geometry. I was, I was in advanced math classes and oh. numbers wise, you know, statistics and like this was fine. But when it was like, geometry i'm like, like who gives a crap but yeah. about an angle i don't i mean he said you know i'm not going to use it and you know that's always like in a in breakfast club and he goes well that's all you know engineers or whatever says it but for yeah. we don't think about that because we look at it in a paper you know tell us how to deliver a line of course you oh, can do yeah. that See, yeah for you probably look at music you can read it but when you look at like a proof and geometry you're like who gives a crap yeah well people are always like oh my god how do you do stand-up it's so scary and i'm like I can barely go to the grocery store. <laughs> like life is hard, you know, but like performing is easy. And I think it is because I've been doing that since I was a kid. Whereas like all the other stuff, like there are holes in my learning, you know? Well, it's so. weird. Do you know Paul F. Tompkins? Yeah. Well, Paul, cause we, I knew him in He's Philly. Brilliant. He didn't get his driver's license <laughs> until, cause he was on one of my first shows five years ago. He didn't get it. I don't know why he was in Philly and I don't, and he just, when he got it, he said it was weird because, you know, he's 47. So he was like 40 when he got his driver's license. Oh and gosh. it's like when you're used to not driving. Yeah. And then when you're going, it must be weird. Like you, you know, you've been performing all your life. So that's, that's second nature. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's totally easy for me to perform, but then like, no, yeah, basic, normal things. It's like, I can't, you know, wrap my brain around it so now now so you're in high school your grades stink but you're acting you're playing cello you stink at track you have that also my my mother would let me like if i i used to so she would perform late at night and i would write notes and put them on my door like little notes being like mom i really think it's it's best if i 
spend tomorrow practicing my cello since I have a recital on Monday and I really think that I can use my day more wisely if I spend all day practicing and then I wish she would let me stay home from school. Well, see that that's cool. You know, it's like I, I always had to fake the stomach ache. I'd be oh like, yeah. No. And, then, uh, and then then my mom would take me to the doctor, and I'd feel bad. But back then, with like the copay, it was like five bucks. And oh, the doctor yeah. knew I was bullshit, but I'm just like, I, I was like, I don't want to. I just want to stay and watch TV, not to get dressed and go out in the car and go to the doctor. So yeah. okay, so your grades aren't good. Yeah. But you want to go to school after you get out of high school. You want to go to f- pursue your acting, or because I know you went to uh, Boston University, I believe. Well, I went to Boston University for music, actually. Okay, so, so you, did you get in on a scholarship? or? I did. I went to, so when I graduated high school, I um, actually auditioned for both music schools and acting schools because I was kind of like, I don't know which one I really want to do. And um, I remember this moment. I auditioned for Juilliard for the acting program, and I was in the lobby, and this one girl was who was auditioning was talking to a girl who was a, a student who was already attending Juilliard and they were having this conversation that I was just like in my head I was like oh my god I can't be around these people because one girl was like you know when I came here I just like really found myself and I just felt like oh like now I really know who I am and everything makes sense and then the girl who was about to audition was like oh my god that's what I want that's so what I want and I'm just looking at them like, oh, my God, are these the people that go here? Like, this is horrible. And then the orchestra got out and there were a bunch of cellists. And this guy looked at all the like actors about to audition and he just goes to be or not to be like in a totally sarcastic, funny way. And I was like, those are my people. And suddenly I was like, oh, my God, I think I like musicians and not actors. Like, I was like, I don't think I want to be around actors my whole life. Like, maybe I'm a musician. So then I got into Boston University with a scholarship. Uh, for music. And I told the teacher, I was like, look, I'm not going to get in with my grades. So you're going to have to like talk to them. And he did. And I got in um, and I did music, but I didn't, I'm, I've never been good at doing mul- like different things at the same time. So it's like, I have to focus on one thing like only. And so I, uh, I think they call that multitasking. multitasking. <laughs> not good at multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes. Yeah, so basically I did one year and then I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And I was horrible at theory, music theory. I was like failing theory. And they were, so they were like, you're going to lose your scholarship because of that. Cause you I know, couldn't pass theory. You know, what's so scary. A lot of people learn theory, but so many people I've had on the show, especially a lot of drummers who've gone to the very successful careers mm-hmm. are self-taught. They, they, yeah. they're self-taught and maybe it's for drumming. Now some of them are self-taught and then down the road, they learn theory, but it's like theory. Once again, it's, it's something that, you know, if it depends what you want to do, yeah. I mean, if you want to teach music, I'm sure you want to learn theory, but if you just want to play it's like it's not as long as you're hitting the chords and or hitting the 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 right yeah like well I had a really good ear but it was actually like detrimental in some ways because then I was really bad at reading music so even in an orchestra I would sit in the back of the orchestra basically like playing air cello because like I couldn't read the notes for like three weeks you know until it finally like set in so um I just kind of knew like I was like there are just things about music that like the technical stuff in music I, I just don't think it's my thing I loved playing and I was like, if I could be good enough to be a soloist, I would love that. But I wasn't good enough to be a soloist, just like I wasn't good enough to be the best dancer, you know. And so I I think when I went to acting school, which I ended up doing when I moved to New York, I like followed a guy out to New York. So you you got did you get through uh, music school? No, no, I dropped out. So you dropped out. And then when did you decide to go to New York? Um, The next year. Okay, so now where'd you meet this guy? Um, He went to Berklee School of Music and I 
went to BU and we both were ushering at Symphony Hall together. We, it was a summer job. Yeah, we were <laughs> both ushers. So so you meet him and he goes to New York and you say, I'm going there. Oh, yeah. Like, I, you know, we were we we were in love and I kept visit. I would visit him like every other week. And I just fell in love with New York and I was in love with him and I hated school and I was kind of debating. Well, actually, at that time, I was like, I want to go to a conservatory. So I took the year off just to get really good. I took private lessons. And then I auditioned for conservatories um, and I got into San Francisco Conservatory and I went out and visited and I didn't really like the school that much. And on the way back, I was sitting next to this woman who was in film. She was like a director and she had dated a composer who had worked on all the Wes Anderson movies and she was talking all about the entertainment business. And by the end, and we really hit it off. And by the end of the flight, I just asked her point blank. I was like, what should I do, the music or the acting? And she goes, do the acting. Okay. It's more fun. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so so then I went to Atlantic Theater Conservatory. And so you're doing that. Now, how long of a program is that? That was uh, two, two years, two, no, two no. and a half years. Were you really into it? Did you love oh, it? Oh, I loved it. As what? soon as I got there, I was like, this is my thing. I get, you know, I understand everything, even like the classes that aren't as fun, you know, like speech or things like that. I still enjoy I loved it. And I loved the technique. It was a David Mamet technique, just like called practical aesthetics. Where you yell at women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just swear. <laughs> yeah. He, I had him for one class at one point and I asked him, you know, he's like, does anyone have any questions? Anyone have questions? And I was like, I have a question. He's like, okay, what's the question? I was like, um, what do you do? Cause I was doing like an indie film and I had to cry and I was, I've always been horrible at crying on cue. So I was like, what do I do if I have to like cry on cue? Like, you know, in a film and I'm having trouble with it. And he's like, that's a really good question. Everyone, the question is <laughs> my best David Mamet impression. <laughs> the question is, what do you do if you cry? Okay. The answer is, what do you do if you have to cry? The answer is you cry. <laughs> well, there you go. That's it. It's like, oh, okay. Got it. So, so now you get done, you get done to school and that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's once again, that's so cool. I mean, the mammoth taught a class. I mean, yeah, a just, prolific playwright. I mean, and, and movies, he's and done movies. He also told me if I didn't fix my voice, I'd never have a career. Cause he thought your voice was too high. Too high. Yeah. So now how do you go about fixing your voice? Cause your voice isn't too high now, but at the time you were in your twenties, 21, 22. So, yeah. so you've had that voice your whole age. And it's like, and it probably, I think if someone says something like to you, mm-hmm. okay, Erica, here's the deal. You're never going to have a career. <laughs> unless you fix your voice well i'm guessing for me at least if someone said that to me i would always be like every time i talked i'd be like wait a second wait a second what, what, what's wrong what am i doing is my voice okay i mean how do you fix your yeah, voice well you do i mean i did a lot of like work on it in school like i did a lot of vocal warm-ups and everything but at the same time, it kind of, it's like something you have to keep doing. And also you have to make a conscious effort to be like, I'm going to lower my voice, you know, forever. And it's like, I just, that's not me. Like, it's not really, didn't feel comfortable to talk from my, to right. talk from my diaphragm. <laughs> and, and it's not natural because you're acting. Yeah. You have so much other things you have to deal with that you can't sit there and go, <sighs> yeah, okay, am I at the right level here? Uh, you, you, know. do, you do certain warm-ups like, ha 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 See now, if, if you talk like that, you'd never have an acting career. They'd be like, "Who, who's this crazy, who's this crazy uh, little petite girl going?" Whoa. They'd be like, "Get out of here!" So now, so, so you're concentrating now. Now you're out of school, mm-hmm. and now where do you go? Are you well, staying in New York? Or well, what do when you do? I was in New York, I so I graduate the school, and then I started auditioning. 
Um, and actually, before the school, I got into a children's theater thing, um, uh, like called Theater Works USA, which is how a lot of people get their equity card in New York. And it's like a children's theater company. And I did Ramona Quimby, and we went on tour, and it was like kind of hardcore. Like we did like two shows for every day for like six months. We did like 250 shows for you know schools and stuff for kids. And I played Beezus, Ramona Quimby's older sister. And so I did that for a, a really long time, or like six months before I went to acting school even. So that was kind of like boot camp in a way. But then I graduated acting school, and the first thing I auditioned for was this um, horror film called Plague Town. And that was like my, that ended up being like my first starring role in an indie film like that. So you got the starring role. Yeah, yeah, there were two starring roles, and I got the, one of them. And I'm guessing you didn't get the plague. No. <laughs> So you're doing that. So you're acting. I want to talk more about your acting, but yeah. but when does a stand up come in? Because oh, I, way later. Okay, so, yeah, so yeah. you're in New York. You're getting and you're working, and that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, vaguely, yeah. Yeah, but you, you were in Cavity Town. I mean, not Cavity Town. There's I just saw Cavity Plague something Town. on your thing, so I, I was like, what yeah. Plague? Town. No, there, there, you know, there's something on your uh, Wikipedia page. It oh, says that's uh, some short it's film. Cavity. So here's here's what you're here's what you have. Yeah, just, you know, Wikipedia, Wikipedia is not really accurate. Because so. if I look at it, you went from a. Uh, cavities to you played the the robo woman on film fakers okay that was a reality show actually okay so you did a re- okay so you did a re- you did do a reality show by accident it How- was it was a film that they cast actors in and it was my first it was what i thought was my first film and we we it was like this crazy sci-fi movie where i played clicks a robot <laughs> and and all this crazy stuff happened on set like horror like all these things like one guy kept getting injured a girl was sleeping with the director like all this crazy stuff and at the end they were like you're not in this movie called mukashi code you're starring in your own reality tv show well that must have been i mean how do you feel because i know I, I ralph garman was on a few weeks ago and he mm. hosted all the joe schmoes and we had talked about the last joe schmo that the guy I auditioned was, for joe schmo. Did, well it's yeah. funny because the guy the for the last one you know, uh-huh. you know, the, the bounty I, the bounty hunter one i auditioned for one of those yeah. yeah well the last one the guy was just like so nice and, and mm. ralph said he was just so into it that Aww. He couldn't be pissed at the end because he won a bunch of cash. But right. were, you, were you sort of pissed when you oh, found I out? Oh, I was so upset. I, I was bawling. They didn't put that on camera, but I was really upset. Because yeah. you probably feel like, what the hell's you, you jerks? Yeah, and I was so naive. You know, it's like in other episodes they had, because they had a different cast in each one. They only did it for like six episodes or something. It was an AMC show. But like all, some other actors they had who were like real divas and you kind of you were rooting for them to be like, oh, like they deserve that. But I was like just naive and like really like I was nice to everyone on set and like I made friends with everyone. So I think people really <laughs> felt bad, you know, like <laughs> they're like, oh, it's not nice to do that to someone like that, yeah, you know, you, like you, she. Yeah, <laughs> you, you laugh at home like doing Joe Schmo, I would laugh. Mm-hmm. But then you do sort of feel for Joe Schmo, though, it was only like. It was it was like the one guy. Everyone right. else everyone else was actors. We but, had three of us. Okay, so it's it just you feel you feel bad because yeah. it's like you know unless you win cash, then you go. Hey, I don't feel that bad because they just got six figures. We got like a thousand bucks, but that wasn't even you know that wasn't worth it. it was <laughs> right. Like nothing. So, but so after, <laughs> after Plague Town, yeah, yeah, Plague now, Town. You're in a movie now. What was it like acting in a movie when you're there? It must have been a great feeling because you're you're one of the co-stars, so mm-hmm. you get the attention and and it's your. It must be a great, a great learning experience. Oh yeah, it was awesome. It was great. Yeah, I learned a lot, and um, and it was my first film, so it was just a lot of first lessons about you know being on a film set for a month and being with the cast for a month. And the director is still a really good friend of mine. He even came to my show last night. Um, his name's David Gregory, 
and he's a great director and um and he's the one who convinced me to move to LA. Okay, so you were you were you did was LA even in your mind? I guess you had broken up with this guy then that you moved uh, to New yeah, York I had, for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't be like, hey, move to LA. Well, no, I, I like, like this oh, guy. Yeah, yeah. And that's he moved to LA. No. So, <laughs> so so you're sitting there and so now what was your thoughts when he was telling you to go to LA? Was that in your mind? I mean, how did Yeah, you... it was already in my mind. Um actually Garrison had a long long time before that told me to move to LA and he had me on the show at Hollywood Bowl one time and then he showed me all around LA and was kind of like pitching it to me. How old were you how old were you then? Um like 20 maybe so you were you were 21 you, you performed at the hollywood bowl yeah how how amazing is that i mean when you, when you i could just imagine going on and just being from that stage just knowing the history it must have been just yeah sort of intimidating it was really cool yeah all the places i've performed with prairie home has been amazing where are some of the other places you performed the well, we did. I did Hollywood Bowl and Greek Theater, which are both awesome. And then I did um, Tanglewood, which is out in the Berkshires in Massachusetts, which is a huge outdoor venue. Um, performed oh, another big outdoor venue in Seattle. And then I've done a few of his cruises. Like I did a Baltic cruise recently, which went to Sweden and Russia and all over the place. Um, so I did stand up on the cruise, which was really fun. Now, when you do these, the, the Garrison, the shows, mm-hmm. does he just like call you in advance or do you know it's coming up? Or I mean, how does it happen? And do you have to change your voice now? Cause <laughs> before you, do you have to go higher now? Cause your voice oh. is, your voice is lower now, but before you still oh, play his conscience, you. <laughs> you, you still play his conscience, right? No, 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 no. Oh, that no, was so just a one-time okay, thing. So, okay. I always play different people, but he always had, had me play like very close to myself. Um, he wrote this one kind of skit, which was like called Dear Diary, where I would like do like diary entries. Um, so one was like about re- my relationships and it was very much autobiographical. He just he was like, why don't you write something about your relationships? And I, so I wrote it out and then he kind of edited it. And then it was like uh, just a monologue of me being like, Dear Diary, today okay. I blah, you know. So it's always kind of based on me or kind of different characters, but nothing that was like too much of a stretch. So so you, so but you so he planted a seed for you to move to LA. So yeah, but then David was the one who was like, if you want to do film and TV, you have to move here. So, so do you pack up your stuff and drive out, or what happens? What what do you? How do you decide? Yeah, I just, and where do you first live? I always like to ask my guests their first place oh, they live. Oh yeah, well, um, first I uh, I lived next to a friend of mine who I'd gone to acting school with. Her name was Ileana, and we I had a one I had a studio apartment right next to her apartment. So it was kind of like a perfect situation because it was sort of like a roommate situation, but not. But we ended up making like a web series together because we were both we both didn't know that many people. And like that was right when web stuff started happening. And so we made this little web series called Apartment 4-5, like based on our apartments, like 4-5. And it was about me always coming over to her apartment. And it was about me being an actress and trying to get her to be an actress, even though she wasn't like nothing like an actress. (laughs) So I'd, I'd come and I'd be like, you know, you either have to be like, really skinny or like really really funny and then I like look at her and I'm like you're so funny <laughs> and I start like acting like she's so funny because she's not skinny <laughs> but did, did you guys improv it or did you actually write it out we wrote it out yeah we we shot a bunch and, and where what area was it uh Mar Vista what the hell's that I know it's like where no one lives nobody lives there what's it even near it's near Culver City kinda. okay okay I, 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 okay yeah it's like Culver between, City adjacent yeah it's between Culver <laughs> City and it's and uh Santa Monica how'd you end up in Mar Vista like all the well, places to live and you, she's Mar Vista. the one she's the only person I knew there and okay. her and I had stayed with her when I was visiting 
And then the apartment next door just happened to get open. So it was like, it just sort of happened like that. And then I lived there and then I moved a few blocks away from there and still lived in that area, like basically under the 405 in the crappiest apartment I've ever <laughs> lived in ever. There was like, we had like a ghost. We were like convinced we had a ghost. And then this is, this is tragic, but my neighbors committed joint suicide. Oh God. Yeah. That would just, it was horrible. They, they were this young couple and they um, had the car running in their garage for three days before they were found. Doesn't that creep you out? Yeah. It's, it's like for me, the apartment downstairs for me, mm-hmm. when I walked down the steps, I used to see this guy and he'd always be smoking cigarettes. And when I seal him out, he'd be like totally, totally wasted. Uh-huh. And then I found out he had health problems. Uh-oh. And so I was at the time going back and forth back east a lot to see my girlfriend. And then I was sitting there and I came back and I was recording the show in the old studio. And my old roommate goes, Dude, there's police tape all around our um, where he used to live. I go, what? And it turns out the guy died and was there for like two or three days. Uh, and what's weird about it was I had a buddy who was, we were hanging out watching something or listening to music. And he said, you know, he had drank a little too much. I said, we'll just crash on the couch. So I guess he left at like six in the morning. And he told me later, the door was a little bit open. I guess the guy just got in and passed out. Oh, so he closed the door. But it's now I feel weird. It's like when I see new people move into the apartment, I'm like, do they know? Do they have to tell them? Because like, the, the guy, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like it's like a guy, and they had, they had to gut the apartment, so it's crazy. Mm. So so you're sitting there, you're you're your people are committing suicide, but you're, <laughs> but you're doing a web series, so, so that's good. Well, that well, I'm talking about that was my second apartment. Okay. So my first apartment, I was next to my friend, and then I moved. No more web series then. Yeah, no more web series. Um, and then I think she moved away, or something. But yeah, so she might have moved. But then I moved in with a friend, and that was like the crappy place. I was pl- I was paying like three hundred dollars a month. Can't beat that. But it was like horrible. Right. Yeah. It was <laughs> like I may as well lived in my car. Like now, that. now were you act- still getting out and auditioning and acting at the time? Yeah, yeah. I was auditioning. I did. I did another web series actually called um, Upstairs Girls, which got like two. It got like two hundred fifty million views. Really? Like, yeah. It was like pretty big, but no one's. It's like the biggest thing I've done that no one's heard of. You know. So um, I did that for like three years, and and uh, I played a character named Sandy, and so I sort of credited as Sandy, not as Erica Rhodes. So a lot of people couldn't find me after that. You know, like a lot of the fans of the web series didn't really know where I was or okay. what my real name was. So isn't it crazy with with like with web series that you get so many views and yeah, it's, and, like, and people don't really know you, and and it's like wait a second, you know, it's like it's so weird how the industry has changed. I mean, yeah. You had, Three years, I mean, 250, 250 million people saw you. Yeah. I and mean, that must be just a crazy feeling. I mean, and it's just also, what's funny is though, and they don't know that you've done this, this Garrison Killer stuff and then all this right. other stuff and been in Plague Town. They don't know that. So, so now you're doing that. So now when does a standup come in? <laughs> you're like, please get no, to the stand No, because I, I know you acted a lot, but because it's, because I know you've been, you've gotten some TV gigs and you're mm. with a, you're with a great management company. Yeah, so, finally. I mean, it took me a while to find my management. So I went through like five, like just, you know, not good managers. Were they for acting or for standup? For acting. Okay. So yeah. you were getting... I hadn't even thought about doing standup until like four years ago. Okay. So you're doing, you're getting. What what made your old managers bad? Like, would they just not say? They didn't up? do anything. They were just, you know, like anyone can be a manager. You can, you know, tomorrow you can be like, I'm a manager, and then you can. I'm a manager. Yeah, you can be like, you can get <laughs> someone and be like, I'm. Well, I'm. I'm gonna manage you, and they're like, okay, cool. I now and then actors are like so desperate. They're like, I've got a manager, and then they never hear from the manager, but they don't even drop them because they feel like, well, I want to tell people I have one. Well, you were know, you trying so. to get an agent too? Yeah, I had. I went through agents too. 
um, you know, I just like, I, I didn't have a lot of guidance. So I was kind of like, you know, like Hollywood's weird where it's like, there's all the outskirts stuff. So you can't really lost in like the stuff that's like, feels like things are happening. Like you're doing indie films and like hanging out with people that are promising you things, but really have no connections at all. You know, so I was sort of in that. But then, cycle. And it must be hard. And also, because earlier you said that, that you don't multitask good anyway. Yeah. So it, it is hard because nowadays you have to do a bunch of stuff. You just, unless you're, you know, the next Tarantino, or unless you're going mm-hmm. in and just, you know, like the, the sickest. And even then, if you're like the sickest actor, doesn't mean Still crap. Still not enough. Because if you're yeah. not good enough looking sometimes for guys, it's like, oh, he's not handsome. It's like, yeah, like Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti can <laughs> carry movies. Yeah, but he'll, he'll be the uh, supporting character, even though he's a sick actor. They yeah. think, well, he's a little short. You know, exactly. it's like, shut up. Yeah, I mean, acting is just, it's a futile profession. I mean, I i don't know how anyone is just an actor anymore. It doesn't work. It's like almost impossible. So, so yeah, so, I was auditioning and I was really frustrated. And then I found um, Bruce by, I wrote to him and I was like, I found Maria Bamford, someone introduced me to her web series and I loved it. And I thought she was like the funniest person ever and so unique, you know. And so I, I ended up writing to Bruce. I was looking for a new manager because at that time I was with a manager who's like was mostly horror like oriented. And I was like, I don't think I want to do horror films my whole life. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, it really stunts your it stunts your acting because yeah. you think about it. Horror movies are great to watch, but, you know, you don't sit there. And say, okay, hey, uh, that, you know, hey, they go, oh, well, she had stat. You're like a scream queen for right. the rest of your life. And then you can't, <laughs> that doesn't really age well, you know? Yeah, because so. you have to be a certain thing. So, so now you send Bruce a letter. And that, that was very, see, that's very cool. Though. That was very, uh, I always tell people, you have to be proactive. Else, oh, yeah. Else shit doesn't happen. You like, have to. Find. So, so what do you put in his letter? Um, so I, so I wrote him an email with the, the subject line, I'm a young Maria Bamford. I, but I could see like you, 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 you have the same similarity, like, you know, a younger, you could play yeah. like maybe her daughter cause you know, or, or like sister, younger maybe. sister yeah. or cousin. Yeah. yeah. So, so you put that on that, that's what you put on your tagline. Yeah. And he was kind of like, huh, who does she think she is? Right. You know? like, wait a second. Yeah. Wait, you never done stand up and you're Maria Bamford. Hold on, <laughs> yeah, kid. Exactly. Maria Bamford's a genius. Okay. I know. I had never done, I hadn't even done stand up, but I'm comparing myself to one of the best stand up comedians. <laughs> but I hadn't even seen her stand up. I just saw her like web series, okay. which he produced, which just was so funny. I mean, it's so brilliant. But so he so it piqued his interest. And then he did look at my stuff and he saw that I had done Prairie Home and he saw that I'd done Upstairs Girls and stuff like that. And um, he looked at my reel and he's like, oh, he's and he wrote back and he's like, well, you're not. I don't really think you're young Maria Bamford, but you are funny. So let's meet and talk. And so we talked and we had like a two hour meeting. And we talked and he's like, what, what what's your dream? And I was like, well, I want to be on Saturday Night Live. And he's like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> He's well, like, get another dream. Well, you know, that's the thing, though. At least he's honest. You oh, know, yeah, cause, yeah, Because yeah. you sit there and you're right. So many people blow smoke up your ass. Like, uh-huh. you're going to be the next day. Yeah. It's like, well, no. It's, yeah. it's like I always I always laugh when, you know, people get their headshot done. Oh. And and so it's like, you know, I used to do marketing for a restaurant. I talked to a lot mm. of the waitresses and, and they'd be like, look at this headshot. And you'd be like, okay, this looks not, not you. this looks yeah. nothing like you. If if I was a casting director, if someone said, hey, look at me, and then you walked in, I'd be like, no, it's like me. I'm not gonna sit there and go. If I see something on LA casting for leading man, I'm not a leading man. Yeah. Okay. If I see something for creepy, okay, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. You know? But it's it's a thing. It's like so. At least he was he was honest with you. And I think as yeah. as a performer, knowing he was honest and knowing that he's just not some schmuck he's with omnipop you know yeah he, he's tried and true and tested so he knows what he's doing because most of his people do very well 
So, yes. So that must have been refreshing for you. It was very refreshing. And, and he had a reason. He's like, you know, you're not, I don't see anything that you're doing where you're, you do characters. Like you seem to mostly play something like yourself, which is also what Garrison realized, you know, in, in Prairie Home. He has other actors who play characters or do accents. And I usually kind of play a ver- different versions of myself. And so Bruce was like, you know, stand up might be something you want to try. And we had this whole conversation about stand up. And I had actually tried an open mic like a year before that. And it was like a date. It was like a first date with some comic. And he, and I told him I wanted to try it at some point. And then he's like, oh, well, why don't you try it tonight? And so I went and I did an open mic and I bombed so bad that it kind of like scarred me for life. And I was like, I'm never doing that again. You it's, know, it's L.A. open mics. That's, oh, yeah. It didn't not, matter. Yeah, but, you know, LA, the yeah. first time you do it, you're kind of like hoping something good happens, right. you know. Um, but so it took me another year to try it again. And it, it was actually just out of desperation because I was auditioning and not getting anything once I signed with Bruce because um, he signed me as an actress. And um, I was auditioning and auditioning and I got, you know, some good feedback, but I just wasn't booking anything. And because I performed my whole life, I was like, I can't. It's like not something I like to do. It's something like I really have to do. Like, it's not like I, I have no purpose if I'm not performing, I feel like in my life. So I just found out like I have to do this. So I like I had a bad audition one day and I was like, I'm just going to go to an open mic and talk about it. And I just vented about the audition for like 10 minutes. And I had someone in the audience come and play the casting director. I reenacted the whole thing. And then I put, I was so proud that I did it, you know, so I put the video up on Facebook and I get a call from Bruce, my manager the next day being like, what are you thinking? Posting your first stand up on Facebook. He's like, would you post your first cello lesson? And he's like, you need to take that down immediately. And I was like, so embarrassed. I was like sobbing because I was so upset. But, but you know, what's great about that is yeah. it, right then it shows that he's hands on. Oh yeah. And he knows what's right for you. A lot yes. of times, you know how people be like, well, Hey, it got 47 views. You know, at least he's getting, get oh, that yeah. crap off there. No. I mean, I have, I have early shows that are on a disc somewhere. And the only reason like Paul's show is up is because I knew him and he was uh, a big name. And mm. that was one of my early days, but it's like, you know, I, I don't think I might, I have Jimmy Pardo who, works uh-huh. here. well, I have Jimmy's episode up and we were talking that, you know, and I don't even want to look back and listen to that because he, oh, yeah. he was episode eight. Oh, wow. And then he was just on a few weeks ago and he was episode like 475. Wow. And, and I'm thinking, wow. But I was like, looking back, that's why I didn't put a lot of those interviews up because right. it's your when you're first doing it. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to show that now when you're like right. way better now. <laughs> yeah. So when I put it up, I, you know, I was so upset and I took it down and then I, in my head, I was kind of like, I'm never doing this again. But because I had put it up, some girl was like, oh, you're doing stand-up now? I have a show next week. Will you do my show? And so I had committed to doing the show. And so I was kind of like, okay, I'll just, you know, I'll do one show and figure that out. And so he and I kind of worked together on, he's like, you know, you can't just get up and talk. Like, that's just therapy. Like, you have to get up and tell jokes. And so he actually, like, really kind of coached me. Like, like he taught me how to write a joke. I hadn't, I never wrote a joke, you know, before that. Because you never had a need to. Yeah, I mean, never had to write a joke. And when you, you know? did your stand-up the first time, you, you, it was actually like a, a scene from yeah, acting, so yeah, it wasn't it really was more, stand-up. Exactly, and it was kind of venting. I was talking about how I had a bad day. It was just sort of, you know, therapy and stuff. But he really had, you know, he he had, he knew all the technical side of stand-up because he's been repping stand-ups for so long. So he knows way more than you'd ever, you know, imagine about stand-up. And he, he's kind of been my coach since then you know, just kind of working with me, like I would talk about like a subject and he'd tell me how to make a twist with it, you know, like, well, you you know, you see that coming. And he he basically just taught me how to write jokes. And I wrote like 10 minutes in a week. Like I worked really, really hard. I wrote 10 minutes in a week. 
I did the 10 minutes on the show. It did really well. And I, and from then on, I was kind of hooked, you know, and, and he looked at that video and he's like, that's, this is good. You're on the right track now. So you did 10 and then, you know, now where do you, how do you start growing and getting more stage time and which direction do you want to take it? Because you still want to act, but you know, you want to do stand up and it's two different worlds. Well, I had no, when I started stand up, I had no idea what I was getting into. You know, it's like one of those things where you're like, well, it, where ignorance really is bliss. Cause like, I, like if he, I mean, if he had told me like, okay, like if you're going to start this, it's going to be like really lo a long haul. Like I would never have, you know, if I, if I knew what I was getting into, I never would have like kept going with it because I didn't realize what a long road it was because I basically did a whole year of bombing. You know, it was basically a year of performing to silence most of the time. Why do you think you were performing? <laughs> I mean, no, cause you said your first, well, everyone does. I mean, when you, when you're, prepared mm -hmm. a lot of times people do i mean it's a it's a consistent fact that you're you're you do well the first time the second time you usually eat it it's just if you yeah. talk to most people and so so how did you sit there why do you think you were doing bad i mean because you seemed like you know you, he's coaching you you mm -hmm. have the stage presence you have the chops you've been in front of that you've been in the states the hollywood bowl so i'm sure nervousness isn't one of your things yeah what, what do you think you were doing wrong or when did you start well i your... think i had a little bit too much of my actor side in it okay. so i would it was more like I, I memorized my jokes and then i would perform my jokes like it wasn't like organic it wasn't in sort of my my organic voice it wasn't coming out natural it was coming out performancey it was coming out like here is what i prepared okay so I think that's what people, you know, people hate that. The people react to that as like, uh oh, like this isn't happening right now. This is a pre-prepared thing that she's rehearsed. Like it felt rehearsed. That's why I think, you know, for a while I wasn't doing so well. Because I think that happens also. I think a lot of times, I mean, you know, I've worked with acts that, and I used to do it. You know, you sit there like, it sounds like you just improv something, but it's a joke you've been doing forever. Yes. And you sit there and if you talk to someone, you have 18 of them in your head and they're all crafted bits that they go, yeah. hey, you know, so what do you, oh, well, and the people go, oh my God, this guy is brilliant. And you go, no, I just did that uh, exactly. first show too. You see, if you see them multiple times, <laughs> right? you're like, oh, he always does that, you know? But that's the art of, of stand-up where exactly, you, you fool the audience. You, exactly. It has to seem like you're just talking. Even if even if they know sort of, okay, this is pre-prepared pre or pre-written, it just has to, it has to feel like it's happening in the moment, you know? Now, how did you transition from feeling performancey mm -hmm. And after like, cause, and if you're not doing well, like it's, it's very hard on someone. It's, you yeah. know, it's not an easy feeling cause you, you feel, you feel like crap. And then when people walk by, you sit there like the crowd, <laughs> you're like, oh. and then you sit to the other comments cause LA, there's so oh, many yeah. snarky, snarky comments. They're like, yeah. oh, 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 pop my ass. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's just the way people are. So I mean, yeah. so you, it was, I give you, I give you credit for sitting there going deal cause that's hard to deal with. Well, yeah. And, I mean, and, I remember one show, like I did at Flappers and I bombed so bad. It was just silent the whole time. And I got off stage and Bruce was there. And afterwards he, I was like, maybe like this isn't my thing like maybe i should just do the act like maybe i was confused <laughs> you know and he goes it's too soon to tell you know because i'd only been doing it for like six months or something and i was expecting to know right away if it was my thing and he's like it's too soon to tell so then i just kind of kept doing it and i then i just have moments w that went really well and it, that kept me in the game you so know? you and you started feeling to be more yourself so you yeah said yeah more and more just myself and like and I think, I, and just getting on stage, like I just kept getting up, you know, and even if I failed, I just got up again.
<laughs> now, as you're getting getting better, when do you start feeling more confident? I mean, was it, you know, just, is it when you sat there and we all get to a point, you know, where you don't really have the self-doubt because in the beginning mm -hmm. there's always, I mean, I used to be like, when I get a gig, I'd be like, okay, I hope there's people there. <laughs> and then you go, if they're there, I hope they like me. Yeah. And then you go, okay. And this was back in the, in the East coast where when you were booked, it was, you know, you would be booked after 20 minutes. There'd be a yeah. three man show. Then you're like, I only have like 12 minutes or maybe I have 20 minutes and I, because you self-doubt, but then you yeah. get to a point where you're like, screw it. If they don't like me. The fuck hell with them. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah, exactly. You're like, fuck them. Cause this shit works. You know, you do, yeah. you do hundred shows. When did you start getting that confidence? I'm still waiting. Still, no, I know. I mean, sometimes it's weird because you know you're still you're still a baby in the business. Yeah, I mean, I've only been doing it three years, and like people are shocked at that. But I think it is because I I a had the performance experience, like stage time from when I was a kid, and also I had guidance from Bruce, especially as to what not to do. You know, he really guided me away from like doing a lot of dirty stuff, like or the easy stuff, and making bad choices, like hacky choices. You know, he really veered me away from stuff I probably would have done for another three years until someone else told me not to do right. it, you know? So, um, that saved me a lot of time, but, um, I really think just recently, like I've started to feel more confident on stage, like just very recent, like in the past, like couple months. No, no, you got to shoot Gotham. Well, that must've been a great feeling. Oh yeah. That was actually a year ago, a little more than a year ago. So now, now did you have to audition for that or, or how did that? No, that out? was on my tape. Um, Omnipop. Um, got that for me. So what's that like? All of a sudden you're doing a TV set, and, and now what? <laughs> did you do it? Was it seven or eight the minutes? Or it was ten, wait, was it ten? It might have been ten. It might have been ten. It might have been a little bit less, but um, it was. I was a little bit ner. I was nervous, and then it was funny because afterwards Bruce is like, I. He's like, I would have told you not to do this one thing, but you never done it before, so I would. Ne I never knew that you would do this. You know, which is that I kept. I was surprised how much they liked me so i kept thanking them you know because okay. i was so i was so in shock that like oh whoa like they they actually like me and so you can kind of see my shock in the performance where it's like i tell a joke and i get a really good reaction and i look kind of shocked and i and i'm like oh oh thank you thank you because <laughs> i just wasn't used to doing that well you know so, so. that's that's funny he's, probably, yeah, he's like what are you doing you're, you're, you're eating up your time yeah. you only have this many time and they're laughing hard exactly. so now as you're doing stand-up you're still going out and acting though you're still doing both yeah i'm still auditioning and stuff i'm doing bit parts here and there i did like a tiny part in new girl i did a little part in comedy bang bang and recently i was on modern family i saw that i saw because I, I i see people's facebook posts you uh -huh. know, I, I sit there because it's funny because i became aware of you um you follow me on twitter once oh okay. i don't know how and i it was probably one of those things because you probably didn't know who i was and you because no one does and you probably sat there and, and you were looking at like people to follow because i do that and then i followed you oh, back yeah, yeah and then i was sitting there and i one time i was going i was on the omnipop uh web page because I, I work with them for a different client i'm like who who are their other clients and like the people like bill dwyer and I've gotten them through just talking, like Jimmy. I got through just hitting him up, you know. Right. And then I saw. I said, "Oh." And then I said, "Well, that's, she's if she's with Omnipop, she's got a chops." Because that's the thing. I mean, that's all you know. When you when you look for guests, you go, "Well, you know what?" Because I want to try to infuse some younger guests and right. some and some women. Because uh -huh. I swear, it's like I get a lot of old men, and right. it's not it's not that I try, but I, I know women. You know, they can't agree to do a lot of stuff because. There's a lot of people who are full of shit, as we talked about right. earlier. So you sit there and go, you, you pitch a woman, you send a thing. That's why I said, because Omnipop, I said, okay, I can go through them. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but so no, because I saw your modern family. So now that must have been great, because that's such a, 
it's such a well-written show. I mean, oh, I, it's like my favorite comedy, probably on. So what's that like when you get to go to your favorite, and even yeah. New Girl, because New Girl, even if it's a small part, New Girl. Yeah. I've been watching that lately. That show is funny. Yeah, is it was good. Um, Modern Family, I was so excited about, but they they go so fast that so they shot my scene in like an hour, and I I arrived on set at six, <laughs> and I was done at nine, and I was like, what? Like I just I wanted to just like hang out the rest of the day. Like I'm like, wait, I have to leave now. I I took so long just getting dressed, you know, to leave because I'm like, I don't want to go. Right. This is where I want to be. <laughs> now was that a big audition process? Um, it was funny. It was sort of this long process because um, I met, well, I met the cast. I met Danny Z- uh, Zucker, who is one of the producers of Modern Family, on a short film because he was friends with one of the producers of that short film. And he saw me do a scene and he thought it was funny. And I sent him my stand up and he still thought I was funny. Thank God. <laughs> and so then he introduced me to, to Jeff um, at the casting director. Um, I think his name is Jeff Greenberg. Um, yeah, yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah, Jeff Greenberg, who's a casting director. I met with him and had a really great meeting. And um, and then he had me do an audition for another part, and I didn't get that part. It was like for a teacher role, and I think they went a little bit older. And then um, some like months went by, and I you know didn't hear anything from them. And then um, I I got a text from Danny being like, I think they're gonna maybe call you in for this other part. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And then um, an hour later, I get a I get an email for the part. And basically what happened is they went through all the casting for this part and they didn't like any of the girls that they saw. So they had another casting call and um, Jeff had, had remembered me and called me in um, without even Danny saying anything. And then I went in and it was like straight to producers with a bunch of other girls. And um, and then I. Uh, yeah, it was like just a couple lines, but then Danny told me he's like, "Oh, like they it's such a long process in the producer session. Like they he's like you got and lost the part like 12 times during during right. the process." And I'm like, "How like how do they even care that much? Like it's so it's amazing how much they talk about just a small role like that." It's cuz that's why it's such a great show. I, I mean, yeah, that's the, the thing. And yeah. So that's cool. So, so now and, and so now are you still getting out and doing a lot of stand up? Uh, yeah, every night. Um, I, I'm producing my own show, too. Like, I'm going to make it once a month. I've been doing it bi-weekly, but it's called a nightlight comedy show. I've been doing that. Me? I'm telling you. I, I don't. I, I, I perform. Oh, good. Okay. Actually, I, 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 didn't, I used to do it a lot. I hadn't performed for six months. Oh. And then I, I put up a picture on Facebook last year from a show I did in my hometown. So when I went back to see my girlfriend, I used to book all the old comedy clubs I played. And I said, uh, I need to start doing stand-up. And then I got a, a message from Flappers to open for Hal Sparks. So I oh, went up, wow. I went up and I was like, and it was, I still, I, it's fun now. But so now, awesome. now, so yeah, you, you show. Should, you should do my show. No, no, no. It's just where, a little show. Where do you do it at? It's at Circus of Books. Okay, now where's that? It's, um, it's in Silver Lake. It's actually a gay porn shop. Now, now how did you, how do you find, <laughs> no, how do you find, like, how, as a, you're producing a show, did they, how did you just go and say, we should do comedy here? Well, I was talking to my friend Josh Fadum. I don't know if you know Josh. I know Josh. the name. He know the is, name. he's probably one of my most brilliant friends. He's so funny. And I was telling him I was feeling kind of stuck lately in stand-up. I was like, I feel like I'm not getting, you know, performing enough. I feel like kind of stuck and sort of down about it. And he's like, well, why don't you do your own show? And I was like, okay, that's kind of a good idea. And then he knew the guy that I, my co-producer, he had produced a show with. And my co-producer knew a girl. It's Everything's always like five degrees of separation. Right. <laughs> it's like he knew the girl whose parents own Circus of Books. And they were looking to maybe do some. Is, is it really a, 
porno bookstore? Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Mm-hmm. So, so is it, but today, very like, quirky. Yeah. Like, what's the crowd like? Like, do people sit there, like, you know, that's just funny. Well, it's Silver Lake. So we get like kind of a hipster vibe, you know, but we also get some stragglers who are kind of <laughs> sort of strange people. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd known you years ago because I used to produce a show at Flappers every other week. It was called Aww. Cooper's Angels. Aww. And I hosted, I had all female comics. Oh, that's And great. I hosted it. And uh, I was like, yeah, I was like, Four, four years ago, and I had people, you know, Kathy Ladman, Jan Karam, Jody Miller, and you would have been perfect because I always should start it again. Uh, it's it's too much time. To I know it's stuff. a it's lot. Just, I'm like, I'm burnt out already, and I, I've only been doing it the, four shows. <laughs> I, I got a book guest in here. You know, yeah, that's it. That oh, takes. Yeah. I got to you know do other things to make myself a living. Oh yeah. But, uh, so now, so now, do you ever go out on the road? Uh, yeah, yeah. I I went a bunch of um this fall and winter. I went out on the road a lot. So um, do you do colleges or do you? I haven't done a lot of colleges. Um, I I've done clubs. I've done Long Island. I I I'm governors. Going, uh, yeah, governors and brokerage. I love them. I love long. I love performing in Long Island. Like I feel like they kind of get me in a weird way. There used you know? to be a place called Thomas McGuire's. Uh huh. Was in Bohemia, New York. It was on an island. Wait, I think, wait, oh, so that's not, that I McGuire's think it still is still one. Oh, I think I performed there. Okay, yeah. Because it used to be kind of. McGuire's in... Brokerage and McGovern's, right? Or maybe. Well, it was a different guy who booked McGuire's. Oh, I remember, but okay. it was, it was, that was years ago. So now, now, do, do you have a website or no? Yeah, it's going it, to, well, I have a new one that's going to be launched in a couple weeks. And what's it going to be? It's going to be ericarodescomedy.com. Okay. We're working out all the little glitches in it right now. And you're E-R-I-C-A. Yes. Okay, E-R-I-C-A-R-H-O-D-E-S. Now, now, now you tweet. Now, now, what, what's, yeah. what's your, what's your Twitter handle there? At Erica Rhodes. And now, do you tweet a lot? Yeah. Now, what do you, what do you tweet when you tweet? <laughs> do you tweet jokes or do you tweet stuff that's going on in your career? Because everyone's different. Um, I, t- yeah, I try to tweet jokes. Sometimes I tweet little things that are a little bit more like just kind of moody things where I'm like, uh oh, like that sounded kind of just like she's having a bad day sort of tweet or <laughs> later I'm like, oh, I should keep it funny, you know. And you have a Facebook fan page, I believe. I do. I don't know why people don't seem as engaged because like, I have two personal pages. So people seem more engaged on those pages. I, you know, I did, I did a fan page and I haven't updated it in a year and a half. I don't know why. I just it's do it like, on my own because it's the same stuff. And, and yeah. it's like, it's like, they're like, well, I don't want to see her. And then they sit there and they go, well, I'm friends with her. Yeah. It's, crazy. it's yeah. Too well, many things. I want to thank you for coming on. This oh, is fun. Thanks. This flew by. Yeah, well, it's, it's, an, it's exactly an hour. I don't, I don't mess around. Wow. Well, but, you're, uh, you're good at this. But thank you. But it's, it's at Erica Rhodes. <laughs> yes. And at that's, Erica Rhodes. It's, it's just for you know, people. It's E-R-I-C-A-R-H-O-D-E-S. Yes. So follow her on Twitter. Check out her Facebook page. Also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. Um, I have, I just posted 490, episode 490. Wow. Legendary drummer, Kenny Aronoff. You got to listen to that episode. The guy's a rock and roll legend. If you heard, ever heard the song Jack and Diane, the great drum solo, he created that. Oh, and I Everyone's that. played that. So go to that. Also, if you go to iTunes or Stitcher, it's uh, all one word, Cooper Talking. You can find me there. Email me, Cooper at coopertalk.net. I'll get back to you, especially if you want to sponsor. I have great rates. I'm played on 11 different internet stations besides uh, Indie 100. So there's a lot of people listening out there to me and uh, do that. And uh, um, yeah, and so that's good. And then don't forget my other my other website is StopTheSalt.com. Remember when I had that health problem a few years ago? It's the only time I missed recording episodes. I missed doing one day because I was in the hospital. I was in a cardiac unit. So sit there and, you know, I changed my lifestyle. I started eating healthy. So go to StopTheSalt.com. It's a cookbook. It's 120 recipes. They're very easy to make. They're not confusing. I know a lot of times we get intimidated to cook good. Well, there's no pictures. And this is more for guys because guys don't know how to cook, but it's so easy. There's no pictures. You won't get intimidated. There's no long list of spices. If you don't have cumin, 
Don't worry. There's no recipes with cumin, but get cumin if you learn to cook because cumin is really good. <laughs> so sit there and go to the website, stopthesalt.com and buy that book. I sold a whole 80 of them. So come on, people. Uh, if you go, you can go to, uh, you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, but if you go to stopthesalt.com, I make more money and I'll even sign up for you and I'll mail it. I won't put my address because, because you might follow me. So that's about it. Um, Steve Cooper. I'm only a sip as my guest. Uh, next week, I have some great guests. Don't forget, follow Erica Rhodes. And uh, have a great weekend. Remember, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next week.